Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, my name is Chris and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Agnico Eagle fourth quarter results 2021 conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star, then the number two. I would now like to turn the call over to Sean Boyd, Executive Chairman. Please go ahead. Thank you, uh, Operator, and uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining Agnico Eagle's fourth quarter uh, conference call. Um, I'd like to start off uh, by thanking uh, Tony McCooch um, and the Kirkland Lake team, particularly Tony, for his contributions uh, to Kirkland Lake, um, but more particularly for his work over the past Uh, several months in laying the foundation for the combined uh, new Agnico Eagle, which, you know, as we've said, is well positioned uh, to deliver on its production and cost guidance and deliver a high quality, uh, low risk uh, senior gold producer. Um, What what I will do today is um, I will pass the call over uh, to um, our new CEO, Amar Al-Jundi. I'll congratulate Amar, um, and I'd like to congratulate also uh, the Agnico Eagle senior leadership team. I'm looking forward to working with all of them, and I'm highly confident in the team's collective ability um, and experience to deliver on the promise of the merger. Um, so now I'd like to turn the call over to Amar. Thank you very much, Sean, and good morning, everyone. Uh, I'd like many of you on the phone I've known for a long, long time. Um, I'm honored to have this opportunity. I'm humbled to have this opportunity, uh, and I look forward to our discussion today because I think you will see uh, just how exciting the future is for Agnico. Uh, like Sean, I'd, I'd like to take a minute to talk about um, the opportunity I've had to get to know Tony McCooch over the last six months. We've worked closely together and um, he is a a man of integrity, uh, a high quality individual, a good person, a good human being, and um, he will be successful uh, with whatever endeavor he does next. And Tony, we wish you the best of luck both personally and professionally going forward. Uh, I have to say uh, it's been exceptional working with the new team and looking at all the opportunities. I'm 57 years old. I've been in this industry for 23 years, and I've never been more excited uh, about uh, the ability to to add value uh, than I am today. Um, And I hope that message will come out loud and clear as we, we go through the day. The key messages today uh, are going to be forward-looking much more so than backward-looking. And remember to look at the forward-looking statements. Uh, they are now up to four pages long with increasingly small print. Uh, but um, the other m- looking forward is that Agnico Eagle <clears throat> is going to maintain the simple, consistent, discipline, and proven approach to value creation that we've always had and that, frankly, Kirkland has always had. Low cost, strong margins, and strong cash flows, robust production profile with tremendous growth in safe jurisdictions, a proven leadership team with a proven track record of being able to create value on a per-share basis. We're going to talk about three-year guidance of 3.2 to 3.4 million ounces, uh, slowing growly, uh, growing slowly, but importantly, we view this as a base from which to grow. And we think we will grow, and we'll talk about that. Uh, record uh, mineral reserve, 44.6 million ounces of gold, 
with the potential to grow both in the short term and the long term, and we'll talk about that later on. I'm going to spend some time uh, confirming the opportunities we see with regards to the synergies. In fact, uh, we see opportunities that are greater than the expectations that we identified when we announced the merger, and we'll talk about that. <clears throat> and then finally and importantly, building on our long history of capital returns, uh, announcing a 14% increase in the quarterly dividend to $0.40 cents per share, and our intention to launch a normal course issuer issuer bid to replace, to repurchase up to $500 million of our shares. Now, I'm going to take a minute and say um, a lot of us are now repurchasing shares, and this is, think about it, what a nice difference from 10 years ago when the share price went up and people weren't repurchasing shares. This demonstrates a discipline in the industry that wasn't there 10 years ago, and it demonstrates that this discipline is not just with us, but with all of our peers, which is good for the gold industry and good for all of you, our investors. Next page, please. We have a proven and trusted leadership with decades of experience, led, of course, by Sean Boyd, our executive chair. Uh, but the board also has some other strong names that you know. Jeff Parr, as vice chair, who has been the chairman of Kirkland Lake, as they've created lots of value for shareholders. And Jamie Sokolsky, our lead director, uh, one of the most distinguished professionals in the gold space. We also have a very strong management team that I think most of you know, most of you trust. Uh, um, it's on the list here. I won't go through it name by name, but it combines excellent people from both companies. And what I will say is, um, the bench strength of this new company is exceptional. Uh, the quality of the, of the management team is not just what you see on this chart, but goes down many levels. We are continuing to focus on growing the business. As I mentioned, we've got record reserves. But what, I, what I'd like to point out in this chart on page 8 is it's, it's all about building a pipeline and creating value over the long term. To create value, you have to find gold in the ground. To create reserves, you have to find resources. And we are doing that across the board and continuing to do that. And what you'll see is this formula that we've had, uh, which has worked for us over the last decade, where uh, Agnico Eagle, the combined entity, uh, has increased reserves by over 100% over the last decade. Compare that to many of our peers. This is not a knock against the peers. It's simply to say, that this is the toughest part of the business, finding pipelines of quality and profitability to grow. This is what we do well, and we're going to keep that strategy. We're going to focus on growing mineral, mineral reserves and mineral resources through continued exploration, and we'll talk about our very aggressive exploration program this year. We're going to be announcing um, increased reserves uh, when we give our technical reported detour uh, in the middle of the year, and again, an, ag an aggressive exploration program in 2022, but importantly, and differentiating in very safe jurisdictions, and most of that is off existing infrastructure. And as most of you know, the best return on capital, the best risk-adjusted return on, our, on capital in this business is taking advantage of existing infrastructure in safe jurisdictions. Page 9, we, we show on the top left our ability, both Agnico Eagle in gold and Kirkland Lake historically in, in blue, uh, of growing gold production, but more importantly, gold production per share. Gold production in and of itself uh, is nice, but it doesn't matter. What really matters is production and profitability per share, and that's what we focus on. And as you can see, uh, through our long history of growing, so you, we, we grow production, then sometimes you, you plateau off a base, you continue to invest, then you grow again, you plateau, you continue to invest, and you grow again. And that's what's happening uh, with us. Both Kirkland Lake and Agnico Eagle, both of us individually, uh, had record production last year. Both of us individually had record production per share. Um, that's impressive. At Agnico Eagle, record production per share after 64 years is really remarkable. But the next three years are 
a little bit of growth. Uh, the middle of guidance growing from 3.3 to 3.35 million ounces, but again, this is a base from which we can grow, and we think there's opportunity to increase uh, that number as we go out. Uh, the gold production is underpinned by six uh, cornerstone world-class assets producing more than 300,000 ounces a year, Detour, Fosterville, Meliadine, Laurent, Meadowbank, and Canadian Malartic. And importantly, um, Agnico Eagle continues to invest in the future. We are investing over $300 million in exploration that's quite remarkable, $324 million in exploration and development capital above sustaining development capital of $700 million. So I'm going to ask uh, Guy Gosselin and Eric Calio to talk a little bit about some of this exploration because it really is exciting. But before they do, I just want to point out that all that we're going to talk about on page 10 and 11 as we go through it, if you look at it, all of this are, is either on existing assets where we have existing infrastructure and safe jurisdictions uh, or new projects in jurisdictions we've been operating for decades. So if I could, and excuse me if we have any technical issues, but I would like Eric Calio, uh, who has been the, 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 the head of exploration at Kirkland Lake and is going to be um, uh, uh, chief uh, 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 growth uh, and exploration at uh, the new company, along with Guy. Maybe, uh, Eric, if you can talk a little bit about uh, Detour uh, and, and uh, Macassa and Fosterville. Thanks, Amar. And good morning, everyone. And uh, in terms of Detour, the, uh, the program that we have there is going to be another large program for, for 22. Um, and continuing on from the success that we, we already have had in, in, in 21. We're looking at about 234,000 meters, and uh, a lot of the uh, drilling that we're going to be doing is focused on the West Pit and Saddle areas again, looking to both uh, extend them further to depths and to the West. In addition to that, we've also got uh, quite a bit of work uh, planned about uh, <clears throat> maybe about uh, 30,000 of that 230,000 that will be starting to look at new targets that will be a long strike of the, uh, of the main deposit area, uh, both east and west on the Sunday Lake deformation zone and uh, try to uh, uh, discover the next extension to the mine. The, um, uh, in terms of Macasa, uh, we do have uh, uh, a lot of drilling planned here this year, about another 150,000 meters, and uh, continuation of, uh, of, of work to, to expand the SNC for the most part, both to the east and west. Um, we're also uh, initiating uh, work on some other important projects, one of the main ones being the, the deep extension of the main break, which is just east of number four shaft, where we identified the high-grade corridor. We finally will have a new uh, access drift on 58 level where we can start to really accelerate that drilling. Additional to that, we're going to be having some additional focus on drilling on the middle part of the mine, on some new targets above the SNC, and we'll also be looking at work near surface, uh, surrounding the near surface break uh, ramp. And then, of course, the exciting new program we're looking at is doing an extension from the near surface ramp towards what we call the AK zone, which is about 400 meters to the south and on the uh, Agnico property. So this is a uh, an area which already has uh, in the range of uh, half a million ounces of indicated inferred resources, which uh, uh, we can uh, access fairly quickly, and which we're going to be uh, uh, working hard to to to, uh, to to further define and then try to bring into the mine plan. Um, so additional to that, Fosterville. Um, I believe that the information that is on that on the next slide here, but um, I could potentially talk about that now, and then he would come back to the other projects. Fosterville, uh, another aggressive program here planned, uh, and uh, in the order of 200,000 meters, uh, the large majority of the drilling focused uh, on the Lower Phoenix and Robbins Hill deposits, and on uh, additional extensions of those zones to depth. 
as well as converting uh, additional inferred material to, to the indicated category. Exciting parts of the program this year is that we're going to have some new extensions to the drifts on the Lower Phoenix 3912, as well as on the Robin Hill decline that's going to provide some excellent new platforms in both areas. So we feel very good about our chances of replacing resources and reserves again for a second time next year. Thank you, Eric. That was excellent. Guy, maybe you can talk about some of the highlights uh, with some of the projects you're focused on. Yep, thank you, Omar. So very briefly, uh, main priority moving forward, continue to be at Advancing East Gouldie. We've seen tremendous success so far in the uh, infilling of the deposit. So we're moving towards converting uh, East Gouldie from infer resources to indicated, uh, again, having in mind to deliver uh, in the near future uh, the, uh, an, a study and uh, converting the large uh, East Goldie deposit and the surrounding Odyssey project into reserve. Uh, continuing at Laurent, extending the life of mine, it's been uh, particularly special this year, even after close to 34 years of operation at Laurent, the mine was successful at completely replacing what they've mined during the course of the year, so completely replacing the 400,000 ounces that was mined by a combination of success converting the recently discovered 20 North Zinc lands extending uh, in the main Laurent and also uh, integrating more and more of the LZ5 into the reserve as we continue to build on success at uh, ramping up production at the, at the LZ5. Uh, moving uh, to the north at uh, Meliadine, again, deposit that remains open in all direction, establishing now uh, an exploration drift and uh, that will allow to uh, increase the, the pace of exploration moving forward to replace uh, production uh, with, with the uh, large uh, quantity of target that we have across the, the property, but more precisely in proximity of the, of, uh, in proximity of the current mining area. And last but not least, over, oversee at uh, Kitela with continued success at depth all the way down to two kilometers. So we've seen uh, that we've been now integrating uh, infer resources estimation all the way down to those deep drill holes and continue to have an aggressive plan to uh, extend the deposit at depth and towards the north. And I'll leave it there for now, Amar. Thank you, Ian and, uh, and Eric, Guy and Eric. Just before I move on, it's something that, that, that I want to point out again, uh, talking about the opportunities. Think about the two, probably two of the biggest gold discoveries anywhere in the world in the last 24 months, and they've got to be the, 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 the roughly 15 million ounce potential at Malartic and probably similar at, at Detour and additional uh, ounces. Um, those are tremendous finds, finds, but they are in assets that have been around for decades. Again, this talks to the geologic potential uh, of the Abitibi Kirkland Lake uh, corridor um, and the potential that we think is there. We, we talk and we'll talk about the two billion plus of synergies we see, but we think there are multiples of that in opportunity uh, as we go forward. If I could move maybe uh, to page 12. Just to highlight some of the, uh, we talked about $700 million of development capital, uh, and we outline on page uh, 12 some of these projects. Most of you, I think, know these projects pretty well. Uh, but what I would point out again is these are not pie-in-the-sky projects. These are not, uh, you know, uh, uh, things that we think we might be able to do. Uh, these are operating assets uh, that have proven themselves uh, where we're going to be expanding uh, uh, and investing uh, where we already have in, uh, existing infrastructure. You know, at Detour, frankly, uh, has the potential to be one of the best gold mines in the world and one of the best jurisdictions in the world. And um, as Eric mentioned, uh, we continue to see uh, the potential there. Uh, Fosterville, aggressive spending uh, on, on what has been over the last couple of years probably the highest uh, grade gold mine in the world. You know, Meliadine, where we stopped drilling uh, a decade ago because we hit 10 million ounces, uh, that is performing exceedingly well, uh, and we've just started drilling at depth again, getting excellent results. 
Canadian Malartic and the East Gouldy, I think you're all aware of that and the tremendous potential there. Kitala with the shaft going in and the ore body still open at depth. Um, you know, again, Mikasa and Goldex, and we can go on and on. One thing I do want to point out is we have made the decision, not surprisingly, and I think most of you would agree it's the right decision, at Hope Bay, we're going to be focusing on exploration. We acquired Hope Bay 100% for the exploration upside. Uh, the past year of exploration uh, has shown that we are uh, more confident than ever of the exploration upside, and we're going to shift our resources there uh, from some small operations to really just uh, focused 100% on exploration. We're going to hit it hard over the next couple of years. We think there's a lot there, and uh, you know, keep tuned on that one. Just moving to, to page 13 to talk about the synergies. I'll start by saying uh, we think we have the potential to do materially better than the $2 billion over 10 years that we initially talked about. Uh, we have spent uh, a lot of time and a lot of work looking at the potential. We think the potential is there, but let me just give you an update. Um, you know, the deal only closed on the 8th, but we've been working on this, you know, longer than that. Uh, the corporate synergies, we targeted uh, $35 million a year. Uh, we think we'll beat that number. Uh, we, we think we're already going to have between 15 and $25 million realized in 2022. Uh, I can tell you uh, that is faster than we thought. Uh, we think we'll be at $35 million by the end of next year, uh, and we think we are going to exceed that uh, in, in 2024. Uh, on the operational synergies, that is a much bigger bucket with a lot more opportunities uh, and, frankly, a lot more complex. Uh, but we are, uh, we are confident uh, uh, that we will be able to hit the $130 million. I can tell you we've identified the potential uh, for materially more than that, probably the potential, and I'm going to use that word for closer to $200 million, but that's, uh, you know, that's down the road, and we're going to stick with our $130 million uh, target for now. We think we'll uh, realize probably 25 to $35 million this year um, with, the, uh, with the target to get to the $130 million run rate in future years. And then on the strategic optimization, this was uh, a target of about $600 million over 10 years. And the one we talked about, the most obvious one we talked about and Eric referred to as Amalgamated Kirkland. Uh, again, I give the example when I was, when I was up at Macasa over the summer as part of the due diligence underground, uh, we got to within 150 to 200 meters of the Amalgamated Kirkland uh, uh, ore body. Uh, the technical team has done a great job um, looking at that, and we are uh, of the view that we might be able to start producing ounces there as soon as 2024 at low cash costs, uh, and that alone uh, represents probably about half of the, the, the total number uh, that we were targeting. So a lot of potential there. Um, again, that said, uh, you know, synergies, it's a lot of work. It's going to take time. Just on page 14, uh, this is a chart we've talked about before. What I'd like to do is ask Dave Smith, our CFO, to talk a little bit about this uh, and then to talk about uh, some of the capital discipline and, and return strategies that we're looking at. David? Thank you, Amar. Uh, as you can see on page 14, uh, we have a very impressive amount of operating margin generated from the mine sites, uh, close to $4 billion U.S. per year. Of course, we'll use that to, uh, to run the rest of the business as well, but it will result in large amounts of cash available to continue to push exploration forward. Uh, we do believe in creating value with the drill bit. If there's anything easy in this business, uh, I think that's the way to do it. You know, we find gold for about $25 per ounce, so a lot of value add from that program. But also, I think we'll be able to push that pipeline forward. Uh, a lot of growth capital being spent, that's great, as Amar mentions. That's high return projects because of the existing infrastructure and the nature of our pipeline, which is effef effectively in the shadow of the head frame, as we, we like to joke. We'll also have the ability to increase return of capital to the shareholders, uh, specifically dividends. I think we have 
significant capacity to increase that dividend over time as we continue to uh, push everything forward. Uh, we'll grow cash on the balance sheet as well. And all in all, I think what we're going to do for shareholders is a little bit of everything. And that includes letting them sleep soundly at night uh, as we only operate in the best, best parts of the world. Uh, just flipping over to page 15, uh, talking about the financial position, obviously very strong with the merger. Uh, Kirkland Lake brought over uh, a lot of cash and an unlevered balance sheet. And when you added that to Agnico's already conservative balance sheet investment grade, uh, you, you see that we have a lot of financial capacity, especially with uh, the mine operating margins being very, very strong and enhanced as well. Uh, acknowledging the strong Agnico balance sheet for new combined Agnico, uh, Agnico's three credit ratings agencies immediately put us on a positive outlook for our credit ratings. We're already a triple B mid company, very strong investment grade. Uh, Fitch has already confirmed a positive trend, and in coming days, we'll be meeting with Moody's and Dominion Bond Rating Service, DBRS, as well. So very excited about our financial capacity, very conservative, and that's how we intend to remain going forward, committed to that investment-grade balance sheet. And then finally, turning to page 16 on the dividend, as I mentioned, uh, we've got a 14% increase here, but I believe we have room to grow this dividend as well going forward. I think the industry has done a great job of paying attention to the shareholders in recent years, and you'll see that our peers are also paying increased dividends and increasing return of capital with buybacks as well. So I think, in summary, we've got the capability and capacity to continue moving all of these great initiatives forward for the shareholders. Amar? Thank you, David. Uh, uh, just looking at page 17, again, uh, you, you all have this data. Uh, I want to hit a couple of things. It's our uh, fifth consecutive quarter of over 500,000 ounces. The number this quarter, excluding Hope of 502,000 ounces, um, we were, we were on a run rate to be closer to about 525,000 ounces, but uh, with the um, rapid onset of Omicron, uh, it, uh, we, we had to slow down some of the production in Nunavut. And let me put this into perspective. Um, at Hope Bay, we had an outbreak in both September and again in October, uh, and um, in, it, we, we effectively had to shut down the mill at uh, Meadowbank uh, for the second half of uh, December, where historically in the past uh, we would have had one or two infections that we caught at the airport. Um, we, it, it got to the point where the number of infections were higher and affected uh, the operation. So I, I just want everybody to know that while our production was lower and our costs were higher than we had hoped, uh, that was almost completely uh, the result of COVID. And I would also say is we're past the worst of it. Uh, in fact, we're running at, at pretty much the full run rate now. It affected us a little bit at the beginning of uh, January, but we think we're going to be able to recover. But I did, I did want to point that out, and, and we're going to have time for questions if anybody has after. And then just finishing, and I'll, and I'll finish on this, on this last slide, and the package has a lot more information we can go through on the question period, but this really, um, you know, the, the two CEOs who are standouts in, in generating value for shareholders in our space uh, have been Tony and Sean. And Tony and Sean spent two years talking about uh, the opportunity to get together and create a better company. And neither Tony nor Sean uh, felt they had to do this. Both companies were doing very well. This was a conscious decision uh, that, that was based on strong industrial logic. It still is. I just want to repeat that. It still is. We remain very excited. Uh, it's going to be the same strategy that's defined the results for both Agnico Eagle and Kirkland Lake. That strategy is focus on the best gold mining jurisdictions in the world, 
based on two parameters, of course, geologic potential, but also on the ability to build and operate multiple mines over multiple decades, because frankly, that's how you get good. It's a strategy that is based on creating value through the drill bit and by building and operating high margin, low risk assets with a lot of exploration upside and a long life. It's a strategy based on capital discipline where we not only invest uh, in projects that meet our after-tax hurdle rate of 15%, but all of you who are in the business, all of you who are in the business of capital discipline, the most important part of any investment is are you actually going to get that return? And our uh, capital discipline is not just the 15% hurdle, but that it has to be based on sound ana analysis in regions we know uh, and projects that we know. Uh, it's, a, it's a strategy that includes returning capital uh, to shareholders uh, for over 38 years in a row, uh, I think unmatched in the industry. It's a strategy based on per share metrics. It's actually quite simple. Profitable production per share leads to increased earnings and cash flow per share. We're in the business of making money for our shareholders on a per share basis. And then finally, it's a strategy based on ESG leadership. And, and the simple reason Agnico and Kirkland have been ESG leaders is in, in, in our case, for example, we've been in business in some of the communities for over 60 years. And you can't be a welcome member of the community if you don't take care of the environment and the social environment around you. And then before I turn it over to, for questions, I just want to say finally, again, how uh, honored and humbled uh, all of us are to have the opportunity to move this great company forward. Uh, a lot of us here on both sides, uh, from both Agnico and Kirkland, feel passionately about the company. We feel passionately about the, the, the communities we're in. And, uh, you know, we can't promise everything, but we can promise you uh, we're going to work really hard uh, and stay really focused. And, and with that, uh, we'll turn it over to questions. Thank you. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Tyler Langton, JP Morgan. Tyler, please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I guess just starting with the, uh, the cash cost and the ASIC guidance, I think in the release you mentioned they'd be flat in 23 and 24, but that you also expect them to decline um, as you realize the synergies. Is, is that, I guess, saying that sort of you know, the operations on a standalone cost would be flat, but you expect you know, cost to be down when you sort of factor in the synergies, and then I guess can you provide any details on sort of you know how much these the costs could potentially decline uh, over the next couple of years? Well, I'll start, and then I might ask some of my operating colleagues. Um, our costs, we ex expect costs to decline for both of those reasons, Tyler. On a standalone basis, uh, excluding synergies, we expect costs to decline, and I can I can talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then also uh, with the synergies, we believe that we're going to hit our 30 to $40 per ounce uh, target, uh, and that isn't yet included in the guidance uh, that we've given. But with regards, so I'll give you a very simple example. One, one of the reasons, you know, costs uh, uh, will go down is um, uh, some of the uh, uh, sequencing at some of our mines, you know, the next, uh, you know, this year and, and, and next year, there are some mines that have higher stripping, but then uh, 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 the costs go down considerably. So some of the ASIC is, is a result of accounting associated uh, with timing uh, and in no small uh, element associated with stripping. But um, maybe, Dominic, uh, you can hit a couple of, the, couple of the key points as well. Yeah, in, ter in terms of synergy, this year we could think uh, around 10 U.S. per ounces. And uh, as Kamar mentioned, on the more uh, mid-long term, uh, 30 to 40 plus. Uh, that's what we, we add into our plan right now. 
That includes uh, imp uh, improving uh, productivity uh, at each site uh, by using our technical skills and curtain lake skills to uh, help each other uh, to, to be best practices. This is what we see on the procurement side too, uh, 35 to 50 millions to come by having a more uh, bigger volume and a better position to, to negotiate and to get good pricing. This is also part of those uh, uh, cost savings um, that we see coming into the, the synergies. Thank you. Great, thanks. And then just a um, question on Macasa. I know you lowered uh, the production guidance for the next two years. I guess you mentioned some of it was just looking at, you know, sort of the mine sequence and then also some battery issues. Could you just provide, I guess, you know, a little bit more details uh, on the issues there um, and the kind of what gives you sort of the confidence, you know, that the production will continue to ramp? Yeah, I, I can uh, – I'll, I'll start again with that. Um, so Macasa is an exceptional mine with a lot of gold and very high-grade gold. Uh, the biggest challenge, frankly, is the mining rate right now. Um, and the mining rate is being restricted. Uh, you know, Macasa is a mine from the 30s that uh, Kirkland has done an exceptional job modernizing over the last few years, uh, but it's not complete yet, the program. You know, the, the, the shaft – uh, the shaft is built, but it's a couple of, it's, you know, it's uh, about a year away from being in, in operation. That'll increase uh, the haulage materially and reduce uh, haulage costs. But Tyler, the real, the real challenge there is on the mining rate, um, and that is being restricted in large part uh, because of the, the, the history of the mine. There was, the ventilation wasn't suitable uh, for diesel equipment and so Macasa made the dis uh, uh, Kirkland made the decision to go into battery uh, vehicles uh, to their credit uh, they've done a tremendous job but I would say they were probably five years ahead of the technology and so we have had issues with batteries um, we take it very seriously uh, we're making progress uh, but as soon as we get the uh, mining rate up uh, the potential at Macasa uh, is tremendous. Great. Thanks so much. I'll, I'll turn it over. Thank Thanks. you. Your next question comes from Fahad Tariq, Credit Suisse. Fahad, please go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um, just following up on the Macasa comments, um, so you, you mentioned the battery performance as well. Is, is there any talk or consideration of maybe going back to conventional uh, fleet and you know, uh, is the right way to think about this guidance as being conservative for the next several years? Thanks. I, I, thanks, Fahad. I, I think um, what I would say is, uh, I don't know if I would say the guidance is conservative. What I would say is there's a lot of potential to increase it. It's a, it's a, it's a subtle difference, but I want to be clear. Um, when we were there in the summer, we asked the team, we said, look, if you had the ventilation, would you like to have diesel equipment? And the answer was yes. Uh, so it is an option that we're looking at. Um, to be sure, the future in underground mining is electric, uh, but it's probably, it's probably another 10 years away. So what I would say is uh, there is a lot of potential there, and what I would uh, expect is that we're going to have a hybrid fleet where we have some uh, battery equipment, but we also have some diesel equipment, uh, and that will allow us to get the mining rate up uh, to the point where this is a, you know, 350 to 400,000 ounce producer rather than 200,000 ounce producer. Understood. And just um, a quick follow-up. So as you think about the 2023-2024 guidance, which uh, relatively flat versus 2022, just like there's potential upside at Macasa, where else in the portfolio do you see potential upside? Well, we certainly we see uh, upside at uh, Odyssey uh, to come in a little bit quicker. We see uh, upside uh, potentially at Goldex with some projects uh, that we're looking at there. Um, we, we see a total based on things that we're working on. Um, and again, this is, this is stuff that um, you know, we haven't put in the budget, but we think is possible, you know, in and around another 100 to 150,000 ounces a year potentially added to 2024. That's helpful. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. Your next question comes from Josh Wolfson, RBC Capital Markets. Josh, please go ahead. Thank you. Just uh, continuing on those questions for Macasa, uh, just so I understand, are these same issues expected to affect the long-term production from the asset? I think, uh, you know, like Nico now is guiding to over 350,000 ounces. The prior commentary was something like over 400,000 ounces. So is that is that the same mining equipment-related item? Uh, well, we don't expect the battery issue to be a constraint, uh, you know, that far out. Josh, um, you know, simply put, um, you know, one of two things is going to happen. Either the technology gets better and we use it, or it doesn't get better and we're using diesel. So, you know, we can't, um, we can't be dealing with this uh, indefinitely and we don't expect to. So, no, I think, um, I think we're going to get through this, and I think that the mine does certainly have uh, the potential to, yeah, again, to be in that sort of 350,000, 400,000 ounce range. Okay. And now, then now that's also yes, just, um, you know, the, the camp there, it's not just Macasa. You know, um, there's, so for example, Amalgamated Kirkland could add uh, 40,000 ounces a year. Uh, that's a small thing, but it's 650 to $750 an ounce with, with almost no capital. You can see how valuable that is. And this is a camp that's produced more than 25 million ounces. Uh, and, and we have a, a tremendous land position um, in areas where we know there's a lot of gold. So I think if there's one message I would give all of you, we, we didn't do this merger because we're going to transition electric batteries to diesel equipment. Uh, we did this because of the potential in this region, and that, in our view, is the future of, um, of, of mining, uh, is taking uh, the, the best positions in the best camps in the world and leveraging off those strengths. And then, you know, in terms of other sort of large assets, uh, you know, where there is an opportunity detour and the upcoming mine plan updates, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to sort of wait for the details. But, you know, I noticed that was not sort of signaled as an opportunity for upside within at least the three-year guidance. Uh, you know, is that a potential with this update or maybe there's just not that visibility yet or, or is, the up, is the opportunity for upside longer term oh, there's great opportunity for upside uh, longer term and and uh, that's a good point josh maybe we should have articulated that better no we absolutely do see upside at detour um you know they're almost finding gold faster than we can figure out a mine plan to mine it so that's a good thing um but no there's there is absolutely upside both in production and, and longevity okay but sorry just to clarify that would that upside is is after the three-year guidance based on the sands of it. Yes. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Anita Sony, CIBC World Markets. Anita, please go ahead. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I was just wondering, in terms of a growth in dividends, would you um, kind of outline a strategy or sort of a framework that you have in mind, or is it just um, you know, when you see that you have, you know, a comfortable position there that you'll continue to increase, or is there a target or goal in mind? Yeah, hi, Anita. We have not adopted any sort of formulaic dividend policy on purpose, uh, nor do we have a specific target in mind because it all depends on market conditions and opportunity uh, in the rest of the pipeline as well, frankly. But our dividend strategy, I would say, overall remains unchanged in that we like a sustainable dividend that over time we increase, and then it's sustainable until it increases. So I think as of today, that's where we still stand. And as you've seen, we have the intention to launch an NCIB as well to give us further flexibility in improving uh, return of capital to our loyal shareholders. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, and then just in terms of uh, the detour and some of the plans that, um, that you know, KL had previously had there, can you give us some, of, some guidance on, um, you know, the steps going forward and, and how you will evaluate that and then perhaps trade off the capital spend or, you know, the, the, the construction process, um, as it were, uh, with, Odyssey being built at the same time? 
Like, how would those two, like, how do those two mesh together? Uh, hi, Anita. There, well, we have the capacity to do both, uh, both financially and from a technical expertise basis. And I will say, as you would expect, actually, uh, as soon as this uh, merger was announced, we had technical teams from both camps going to each other's sites to, to look at the best uh, practices. But, you know, Detour, um, you know, it's pretty clear we're going to be coming up with a, uh, with a new technical report in the middle of the year. Uh, that'll talk, that'll incorporate some of the drilling that's been done. Uh, you know, that 10 plus million ounces added to, to, to resources and don't be surprised if more is added uh, by the time you see the technical report and it'll also have an update on, on reserves. So, um, you know, we're working hard. Uh, we, have a, we have really an excellent team that knows what they're doing working on it. Uh, we're finding opportunities you know, Jean Robitaille and his team have already found opportunities that, that might allow us to do uh, even better longer term. But, um, you know, stay with the guidance that, that Kirkland had given, which is uh, an update in the middle of the year. All right. Thank you. I'll let others ask questions. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mike Jalanin, Bank of America. Mike, please go ahead. Hi, Amara. Congratulations on a new position. And... Uh, well-deserved. I, I just had a question, Amar. I'll bring you to Australia, Fosterville. Notice the reserve grade fell 33%. Though Fosterville pleasingly had a 500, what, 570,000 ounces of new reserves added, roughly. But the grade, uh, obviously the mine was about 23 grams last year, would have mined. But, and I see this year it's 16.66 grams. So is, I guess maybe it's a question for Eric. Is the pace of exploration more focused on lower-grade material? Or is that what's – obviously, you're focused on high-grade, but is, it's, it's, you're finding lower-grade. So I'm just wondering, what's the, uh, the plan at Fosterville for placing reserves this year and the next year? Thanks. Eric, uh, and, and, and thanks, uh, Mike, for the congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Eric, would you mind uh, responding to uh, Mike's excellent question? For sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess I could say, first of all, uh, we're not, uh, we are putting a strong effort at Fosterville in trying to still uh, uh, identify new high grade zones. Uh, but we know that when we do that, it's, it's not going to be simply just by doing a direct extension of the, no, the known zones. Uh, we have seen, like at Lower Phoenix, the, the grade has declined a little bit uh, uh, at depth. And, um, and we only see sort of, uh, localized uh, higher grades at, at Robin Hill so far. So there is the longer term objective to identify higher grades, but the reserve replacement that we're doing right now is working with the with the uh, um, conversion of the inferred resources we have right now and extension of those zones, which uh, tend to be a little bit on the lower grade side, but still having higher grade zones within them. So that's we're kind of working with what, what, what we have and still working towards the high grade. Uh, we had, uh, but and, and the other thing you have to keep in mind is we are a little bit restricted uh, in both areas. Lower Phoenix, um, we uh, the development at the lower part of the mine does not extend right to the, to the limit of the inferred, so we can only drill a portion of it. And we are putting a new drift in this year, and it's going to be ready by sometime in June. And this will give us an access to a much bigger portion of the of, of, of the deposit. Again, so, uh, and the same thing with Robin Hill. We had to work, the decline is not quite over to Robin Hill. So uh, we're drilling more or less west of the resource. But this year, probably again in the second half, mid to second half, we're going to have much better ability to target, uh, you know, right into the resource and convert no more of those things into the, uh, into the reserves. Um, so I hope that helps out a bit. Uh, did, you, did you mention about Macasa as well? I mean, I guess I could talk about that as well. I did, but why not? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. No, uh, I mean, that's how you mentioned about Macasa. Yes, the grade is down uh, a little bit over this year. And um, like a lot of other places, we, uh, I mean, we were hampered quite a bit by having the, uh, uh, you know, the contractor shortages, uh, specifically the drillers. So that you know, we did not do nearly as much drilling as what we would have hoped, and uh, 
So, but we did generate new resources, but in the inferred category. We were not able to convert those to, to indicated uh, in time. So you'll see we did have a good bump in inferred, but, but we didn't convert as many to reserves and, and indicated. Um, we also uh, saw some of the zones were being uh, struggling a little bit with grades uh, in the areas we mined. So we, we did adjust some parameters uh, and we, that, that's going to help with uh, giving us a higher confidence in some of those areas. So you do see that reflected uh, uh, in the reserve. And when, once we factor in the depletion, of course, you're taking away higher grades, you're not adding as many and you're adjusting parameters a bit. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Eric. I hadn't been in Macassan since like 1995, so look forward to going back. And maybe, Amar, just one question on Amaruk. It's uh, based on your production plans and reserves. Looks like it has about a six-year life. But correct me if I'm wrong. Just wondering uh, what the plans are to extend that, because obviously you have a hungry mill there. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, um, so Amaruk. Um, we're, we are uh, going underground. Uh, that's going well. Uh, the plan right now is to um, uh, drill aggressively underground. We think there, that this is going to continue uh, well below the permafrost, uh, and then we will take a look at the economics of that. So the ore body is still open underground, uh, and as you said, if we can uh, uh, prove up enough uh, underground and some uh, additional open pits, uh, then we'll be able to extend that and hopefully materially. I don't know, Guy, if you wanted to comment at all on that. Yeah, well, we are uh, very aggressive this year. Uh, close to 20 million will be spent both at the mine and in regional exploration. And it's going to come from a combination, as Amar mentioned, that the deposit remains open at depth, so we could extend potentially the life of mine if we can combine that with the new open pit discovery in that large land position around Middlebank. And our team are actively working at making it happen. Thanks, Guy. All right. Thanks, Guy, and thanks, Amar. Watch out for those caribou. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from John Tumazos of John Tumazos, Very Independent Research. John, please go ahead. Congratulations to everybody on everything. Thank you, um, Thank you John. Concerning synergies, uh, could you give us some granularity on the revenue line? For example, when the amalgamated Kirkland ores might start going through the Macassar mill? or when upper beaver ores might start going through the Holt Mill or um, uh, the benefits of the gold getting sold to make revenue over and above the cost savings. I know you're diligent on all fronts. A good, good question, John. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Jean Robitaille to uh, respond to that. Yeah. Hi, John, and thanks. Uh, I can just say to everyone, I will uh, continue to serve as I did the last 30-plus uh, year, and I'm more than excited with this uh, combined company and the skill set that we bring to the table. So for the synergy, uh, you have to understand that the AK were not accessible for us, ACNICO, the past ACNICO, and now this is really... Uh, a substantial value creation we're doing as the near surface ramp was close by. Production itself, we are expecting 2024. It's early stage and we'll keep you updated moving forward. Uh, and the rate will uh, be near 40,000 ounces uh, after 24. It's open for exploration, so it's not limited to what we see. We will need to do more exploration, and it's maybe uh, the beginning of a, a long life asset. This is what we hope. Combined with this, you, you have to understand that it will also have a positive outcome on the uh, meal at Matkessa, and that also uh, bring uh, some value to certain part of the uh, resource or re reserve lower grade that will allow us to process at Macassa. So we see what the number we provided to you, 
or on the uh, I will uh, consider on the low side, but we are very confident uh, that we'll be able to achieve it. It's early stage for the upper beaver. We are considering the different option. We were to move forward with the shaft sinking, considering the merge. We have decided to postpone it and reconsider all of the different options. So moving uh, toward the year, we'll be able to update you as well. The Dore bar, uh, with the different uh, negotiation or the contract in place, uh, we are expecting saving roughly a little bit more than a dollar per ounces on the uh, part of uh, Kirkland Ave at this point of time. And uh, th this have to be, uh, it's done, that's it. So very confident to, uh, with working with uh, Macasa, Detour, and Fosterville, combining the different uh, expertise to achieve what we are seeing that we will achieve and probably more. Thank, thank, thank you, Thank you. If I could do a follow-up, uh, if it's uh, within the securities law, could yeah. you tell us how you're merging the hockey teams? Kirkland <laughs> used to win the PDAC tournament, and Agnico was famous for having ex-NHL players on their hockey teams. You know and, what, uh, John, we used to complain because uh, Eve would used to hire people based on their hockey skills at one point <laughs> to try to beat Goldex and uh, all the other teams. Yeah, I think given Finland's performance, uh, we're going to be relying on Kitala this year. <laughs> so, Sean, are you general manager of the Hockey League in Finland? Quebec, Ontario, Nunavut, or all of the above? Um, I'm a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, and I can't say that uh, too loudly here because there's a lot of Montreal Canadian fans. So <laughs> certainly we're watching the hockey closely, and I know the Pittsburgh Penguins are uh, near and dear to your heart, so we're, we're cheering for them as well. Go black and gold. On terms of the band, is George and I are and uh, – Mark, uh, in exploration, still going forward, or have they gotten golden parachutes? Do we still have the band? George is sitting here right across from us, and he's nodding. He's still got the band, and Mark's on the line here, and he's still very much in the band as well. Uh, we and got hockey, we got the band, and we got gold. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and Eve's still in the band, and Eve turns 70 this weekend, so that shows you how time flies. Congratulations to everybody, and good health to Eve. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star 1 on your touchstone phone. Your next question comes from Tanya Jakuskonik, Scotiabank. Tanya, please go ahead. Yes, uh, good morning, everybody. And Amar, again, congrats on your, or on your, oh, my gosh, on your new role. Thank um, you. I have a few questions, if I could. I, I just wanted to come back to um, Fosterville and Macassa. Um, they were about 5% light in you know, longer-term guidance than what we were looking for, I would say, just overall. Um, you dealt with Macassa. Um, could I expect then full, uh, you, you get into a full rate capacity? Would that be more in the 2025 range? Would that be, be something that is doable? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, Tanya, that that's probably the right time frame. You know, maybe maybe sooner than that. The the other thing I would say is um, we've talked a little bit about this with Fosterville. You know, Fosterville is a, a mine that has a lot of gold and then has some uh, jewelry boxes, some really exceptionally high grade uh, uh, areas, but they're small and they're hard to pick up from the drilling. And that's why you get, you know, uh, um, a variability in, in guidance. So what I would say is, um, you know, it's a hard one to predict, um, but what we're trying to do is give a number uh, with a high level of confidence and just given the nature of the ore body, um, you know, sometimes uh, you hit stuff that, that you couldn't possibly have, have seen from the drill bit. Fosterville, you know, we have quite a dip in 2024. I'm just wondering, you know, how confident are you in being able to, you know, look at look at the expiration and 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 grades to maybe like lessen the blow in 2024? Just trying to see 
if that's fixable at all. I, I, it, it is fixable, I think, but, um, you know, we can only give, you know, what, what we uh, uh, are firm on. And again, um, you know, as Eric mentioned, and it's the nature of the ore body, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to hit those jewelry boxes. You almost have to drill sort of, uh, you know, less than five meters apart in, in some spots. So um, I, I would say it's a, it's a good question because it has been such a stellar producer. Uh, I would say that, um, you know, we're, we're confident uh, that that's a, a number we're going to hit, but that there is upside uh, to that. And, and we're working hard, Tanya, and we're spending a lot of money on the drilling with people who know what they're doing. Um, but at this point, uh, you know, we can only give the information uh, based on what we've got. Maybe just coming to some shorter-term guidance, um, just two things. Uh, one is just on the um, GNA guidance for this year. It was a lot higher than we were expecting. Um, just wondering in that guidance whether you have um, severance uh, packages in there and whether we should look out and have a different run rate if, if we didn't have the severage packages in there. Yeah, we we are they are uh, running a little uh, higher than we even we anticipated, and some of that is, uh, frankly, a lot of that's good work from Dave Smith's team uh, on that. Um, we haven't gone through uh, as fulsome a review of, of headcount as, as you might think at this point. Uh, we're still working on that. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess, uh, it, it, Tanya, it, it, uh, it doesn't have the, the um, severance, but it also doesn't have the savings associated with that yet. Okay, so we should think about severances on top of that uh, for maybe Q1 when uh, you report. Yeah. To the organizational structure, I just wanted to, you know, you talked about, you know, having, you know, looking at people positioning in, in, in the short term and not having everything done. I just wanted to, to see whether you have made all of the changes that you need to make and have the, the critical people in the critical spots right now. Um, we, or are we expecting more changes? No, we have, we have the critical people in, in the critical spots. And, and again, on the, on the G&A, just to be clear, I, I think we're going to be able to, to well surpass the $35 million target that, that we've said. It'll take a little bit of time, um, but we think we're going to get there. But we do, we do have the critical team set up. And again, as you can see from, from the names on the list, they're, they're very high-quality people um, uh, who've got a lot of experience. As we look through the year, could you just give us you know, some guidance from, from the operational side, how we should look at your quarterly um, outlook? Uh, it appears that Q1 is going to be weak, but I just would like to understand how the year develops with all of your different assets now. Yeah, Q, Q1 is going to be the weakest. Uh, thank you for raising that. I, I, I wanted to mention that. Q1 is going to be the weakest uh, and, and strengthen uh, uh, during the year. So Q1, uh, partly that's sequencing, but partly it's because of COVID, uh, you know, that, that was still lingering primarily in the, the first half of January. But again, to be sure, we're, we're past most of it now. But do, I do want to say, and Dave Smith asked me to remind everybody, um, you know, we're hoping we're through COVID. Uh, we're always going to put the safety of our people and communities first, um, and we're confident with the numbers. Uh, but, it, you know, it would be disingenuous to say that there's zero risk of, of, of COVID going forward. It's, it's still something that, that is out there. have a bit more clarity. Is Q1 the weakest and Q4 the strongest, or once we get through Q1 or all the other quarters, evenly distributed, just a little bit more if you could. It, it's, it's more evenly distributed uh, the, the last three quarters. Okay, perfect. And, and, and then my last question is, and I know I'm, I'm pushing this, uh, Amara and Sean, but uh, you know, at what point do you think um, you will be ready to give longer-term guidance beyond the three years you've given? What do you need to see before you're going to be comfortable to give, let's say, you know, five or longer-term guidance beyond that? Well, it's never, Tanya, you're never pushing it. We always appreciate uh, your time and comments. Uh, it's, 
I think um, the simple answer is uh, we'll give five-year confidence uh, uh, guidance when we have uh, uh, enough confidence to do that uh, without variability. I mean, it is a it is a business that's variable. Uh, that said, I think uh, probably more than most of our peers, we have mines that have been around that are steady, that are operating well, uh, and that's something we think about every year. Um, but you know, we'll get the detour plan in the middle of the year. Uh, we've got, you know, as I mentioned, you know, this year it's it's uh, about stabilizing some of the operations. You know, uh, Upper Beaver, uh, the whole Kirkland Lake district. So there's a lot going on, and and also, you know, 325 million dollars of exploration in regions where we're already operating. So um, we're going to work aggressively to build the pipeline, um, and we'll give uh, you know five-year guidance. Um, you know, to the extent that, uh, you know, that we think uh, it, it, it makes sense. I will look forward to that. Thank you so much. Okay. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for the nice words. And, and I think with that, we're out of time. Uh, so thank you, everyone. Um, this is my inaugural call. I'm delighted, and uh, thank you for your patience. Have a great day and be safe. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.